We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia from which we conduct our podcast. We would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today we are joined with Dillustrate. Hello, guys. Hey, how's, how's it going? Good, thank you. Um, do you guys want to quickly introduce yourselves so everybody knows who you are? Oh, yep, sure. Uh, so my name is Tim. I play the uh, the keyboards and the uh, and the synth and do a little bit of vocals and do some loops and stuff in Dillustrate. And that's about it. I mean, that, yeah. My name's H. I do the drums and do the other singing. Amazing. So what, can I ask, what is Dillustrate? Sounds very like, I don't know, is there a meaning behind it? Oh, um, yes, I mean, there's, there's a few sort of things on this. We uh, we played in a band uh, originally called the Dillustrators, uh, which is kind of a play on words with uh, Illustrate. Uh, it's also a massive hat tip to uh, beat maker Jay Diller, um, which is pretty not not subtle hats out there really um but uh and it's just kind of evolved from there so once we uh were playing in that band we then formed the duo so we moved from a four-piece to a two-piece so it's representing that movement cut it down to illustrate and um kept it here and so where did you guys meet prior to this um so you were in a band before prior to that where did you guys meet where did it all begin the music making um so we uh we went to jazz school together for uh, quite some time um and then we were in various bands sessioning and recording for different um different artists but always seemed to be doing it at the same time and having getting the same gigs and yeah we just thought stuff it one day we just why why are we why don't we just do it by ourselves yeah. <laughs> pretty much well, we have yeah. been playing together forever um yeah. so in, in various incarnations but it wasn't until the last what sort of three years four years yeah, yeah. um that we've been playing sort of exclusively with each other we've decided to go you know exclusive um it's very much a marriage type situation um yeah so but we over that time we've we really learned a lot about each other's playing and um it's made it so much easier when it comes to jamming together to to get that that connection going so absolutely yeah absolutely I mean, props to jazz schools. I feel like everybody, like so many people I speak to meet at jazz school and they fall from <laughs> there. So many people, it's wild. Totally, I know, I totally agree. I was, it's funny, I was thinking about this recently and I think it's kind of like musicians don't really have much of a mutual space to just come together and jam. Mm. I wonder if that's most of the function of a jazz school is like you get a whole bunch of like-minded people in the same place just itching to play music together. And uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, it's, it just, it's just bound to have a collaborative kind of element to it, I think. For sure, for sure. And so what is your process like making music together now? Oh, I mean, I, I think it's quite quite a cool little process that we've got going, really. Um, we try to jam together as much as possible, but um, when it comes to writing material, writing songs and recording, um, we find that we tend to have, uh, we can't kind of complement each other quite well. So often sort of one of us will bring an idea in and the other one will be able to flesh it out in a way that makes it kind of complete. So um, from, from speaking from my perspective, I like to come in and, you know, my songs are far too complex. It's like, no one's going to vibe with this. Like, come on, just break it down. And H is amazing at being able to extract out the core kind of elements of the song and go like, no, no these are the important parts. This is where I think the groove sits. Um, and just really keeps me grounded in that sense. 
Um, and, you know, so we're able to collaborate really nicely together in that sense. That's awesome. Do you guys do the production yourselves or do you do pre-production? We do, yeah. We For our last, our last release, we did all the pre-production ourselves. We did all the recording um, ourselves. And, yeah, and then we, we also we produced alongside our new producer, a guy called Tom O'Connor, for the um, final stages and for the final, get, um, I suppose, uh, yeah, just the final stages of the EP, what it was going to sound like, the arrangements. So it was just, it was, I think we'd, like, we'd always planned to do it ourselves, but having an, an expert um, third set of ears has been, was, was great as well. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's also that thing that we could be struggling to work out how the software works forever, you know. <laughs> so having someone who goes, no, you just go here and here and here, like really speeds up the creative process. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, otherwise we're just like, like, like Barney Rubble. No, not Barney Rubble, Barney from The Simpsons. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just, just useless. <laughs> I love that. And so what um, have your influences been in music making so far? <sighs> Or as of recent. Well, I think it's there's um like been well for me for the for some of the material in the last one, like having that like taking everything that we've kind of like we've produced over the over the time and sort of like dig dig back deep into like where you know from the um from the like the original roots of some of you know what made us start music for me it was especially the new zealand like roots um the roots sort of sound but from a more more blues type soul angle um that's been the, the um inspiration behind a lot of stuff and and now having a new mc that's brought on this entire new element so it's reignited this hip-hop thing creating this new zealand roots meets neo soul meets hip-hop has been a, that's what i would call what we've been doing lately and so you've released your EP narrative. Congrats. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. You started off with singles Party in My Head and Scorch. What mm -hmm. yeah, are that's the one. songs about and why did you choose them to be sort of like the first taste um, of the EP? Party in My Head was the, uh, a song that was originally written, written about this, uh, well, I'm an advocate for being a Māori musician with ADHD. So it was all about the, the party, in, party in my head that is always happening and um but then kind of made it more like we, we road tested it first and then like the feedback that we were getting was like it kind of related to everyone and you know like everyone has their own their own sort of um their own sort of upstairs disco if you want to call it but uh I think yeah so that was like the sort of like we we liked the song we rolled with it and that was the the first thing that came out and you'd be able to talk more on Scorch Tim yeah, I mean, uh, so Scorch is a real interesting one. But that that was really, it was sort of, we built that up in layers over time. Um, so we started with just a, a random little piano part that I wrote on my, you know, parents-in-law's piano um, completely randomly. Um, and then we brought that together. And so basically after New Zealand's first lockdown, um, we were itching to go. So we got together in the studio and recorded that with H playing drums. And then we sat on it forever. And we're thinking this would be great to get a, um, a hip-hop MC in. Uh, just someone to feature on the track and you know add their own flavor um so h was down at uh, a local establishment in christchurch called smoker cheese um and playing some bits and pieces to the proprietor there uh i see like oh you should hear the, the bro spit he's um he's just in the kitchen i'll bring him out and uh lewis who we're now collaborating with um that was when we first met lewis properly and he uh, jammed over the recording on h's phone 
and it was just ridiculous, like utterly ridiculous. So we thought we need to get this out immediately. So that was kind of the, you know, party in my head, I think was the, the real front runner on the EP in terms of, you know, the, the relatability and the, the atmosphere of the song. Um, but then Scorch just had those absolute blazing bars from Lewis and we had to rush that out. So that was the kind of the reasoning behind those tracks there. Awesome. And you had another collaboration. Um, how did that one come to be as well? Oh, yeah. So we had a um, we had a friend of ours who who um, she she features in the music video, and she her name's Emily Browning. She yeah. did the um, she did the guitar. Sorry, I was just like, oh, what one? What feature are you talking? About? <laughs> That's um, right. The feature of the feature of all features, actually. To be fair. Um, she come in and just completely took us to took us to town when it come to um, being a weapon in the in the studio and tracked all mm-hmm. the parts very fast, very um, very professionally and very slick. So that's why there is there it is a very guitar heavy uh, tune. Actually, yes, and which yeah, and we're we're so stoked that to have have her. Well, have someone of her caliber um, session on the track. Um, it was incredible in the studio with her as well. We just her um, her chops. You know, and you've got the you've got the the tick marks in the project that show you where the beats sit. Like every time she hit a chord, like spot on. Like didn't need to quantize anything. Just spot on. Yeah, ridiculous. And well, you look, you listen, you look at her success online. You know the 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 the, um, the groundwork she's done, especially in America um you know touring with one of the biggest artists in the jazz world which is incredible she just yeah we've we were very fortunate to have her um session on that song and 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 another tune we did on our first album and she's performed with us a bunch of times and you know if if only i could we could just like tackle her and just hold and like just take her to every gig but she's so busy and she has her own stuff and um yeah we just we we use our awesome Emily when, um, whenever she is available. Awesome. And so is there someone else um, that you kind of have always dreamed of collaborating with that you would love to in the future? Oof. How, how big are we talking here? What um, like? Oh, oh, mate. So, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for H, but I think we've got a mutual uh, preferred collaborator, which would be Anderson Pack. Um, oh, that would be man. so sick. Oh man! Imagine. I mean, obviously, completely unattainable. Um, but uh, uh, just just the the musicality of of that guy and just crossing so many genres, spectrums, and you know, it's it's really phenomenal. Like, I haven't seen an artist like that in a very long time. Yeah. Anyway, I won't I won't speak for you, H. No, I'm I'm the same. I've I've got a big thing for uh, the lead singer of the Teskey Brothers. I just oh, I love, dude, I love him. He's so good. Hey, yeah, he is. I bought bought tickets to their show when they come to Christchurch, you know, just, just before they become like too expensive to return. Um, (laughs) They, they performed at this place, the blue smoke, it was completely sold out. And I was on the, I just assumed that the Teskey brothers were some sort of hip hop group. And um, I bought tickets. And when I went and watched them, it was, it's oh. real. They I, I don't think I've been to a show like it in my life. It was like watching watching Chris Hemsworth play guitar and sound like Otis Redding. It was yeah, and it's so yeah. neat seeing them because I feel like it's like another lifetime. Like I just feel like they're so they're not meant to be in this like current like generation. No. It just feels no. like so so yeah. weird that I get to see them play this because it feels like majority of like soul 
I'm like, those artists come from like the 70s and like 80s. Yeah. That oh. And I think, yeah, I think that's a testament like to Anderson Pat too, because I think the reason, one of the underlying reasons why we, we both like, you know, especially those those singers that do sound like they're from another era is because it's because they 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 sound like they've been singing for the last thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I, that's a great assessment I heard of Anderson Pack is he's got a voice that sounds like it's lived several lifetimes. Yeah. Which is such a great way of putting it. Like, like, I don't even know the that guy's name from the Teske Brothers, but when Josh. I heard him live, when I heard him live, uh, what did yeah. you say his name before? Josh. Oh, Josh. Could be wrong. Josh Teske. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Um, I'm right. <laughs> I'm go with it sounds right. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. If it's not, it's all right. Sorry. Um, so let's talk about narrative. What is the meaning behind the title of the EP? Well, I think, um, you know, like the, we've spent a lot of time, especially with our last, our previous album, trying to really pinpoint this. And I, I suppose I'm speaking um, from how I see it as um, mm. the, like we were trying so hard to find a genre, you know, and like we we come from so many different like um, influences and, and such a diverse range of music, even though we gel, we feel, oh, I feel that like we gel so well together. Um, uh, our upbringings are so, you know, so much different and, you know, so much more diverse, you know, even though there's, we still love all the same music. I think it's like kind of, drawing from our influences and breaking down that boundary of having a certain style to stick to instead of instead of that telling the story of the music of of the lyrics or whatever the story is through whatever genre come to um come to mind and i think it's you know at the end of the day you can have well for, for me at the moment you can have you can have your genre hat but regardless of what you play as long as it's you you that's playing it i think you know it's kind of the little <laughs> It's like, you know, you could have yeah. the Beatles like all day and say that, you know, they never stuck to one genre and they just told stories. And that's like, well, that's for me what the narrative is. Well, my I think, behind it. I, I totally agree, H. I think it's like, it's kind of like you're serving the song and the yeah. genre is secondary to the song. If it's, if it's got, if you're trying to capture the essence of something in a song, then the genre is just another device to do that. And yeah. I'd like to think that there are little things that hold our sound together and keep our sound cohesive. Um, so that you uh, still know that it's us, but we're using genre as a device to help tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. I think genre is a nice, a, a, like a very good tool to use to kind of tell the story as well. Like a ballad would, if you're writing quite a sad song, it would make sense to write sort of a ballad folky kind of genre rather than a rock song, even though it's really cool when rock songs have like really deep, sad meanings to them. Um there's that as well, but um, yeah, it kind of just like ties in very nicely. Yeah, totally. You don't want to pump and pump and club track for the me the most depressing lyric you've ever written. In your yeah, life, you exactly. Know? <laughs> that would be great, though. <laughs> would love to hear it. Um, oh, yeah. Specialising sad club music. Yeah. So, what is your each of your favourite songs off the EP, and why? I like I like Scorch because it was uh, the story behind how it came together, like that Tim told before. Like it was like just in the right place at the right time, and it's you always hear about that, but you you know never. Well, in my case, I, I never had that experience, and like what's growing from just being frustrated and showing my friend this song. I was like, man, this I can't find someone to do this, and then that person was 
down in the kitchen, you know, if I hadn't gone there for lunch that day, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and we've toured the country with him now, so it's, yeah. you know, he ain't going anywhere. There's something about Through the Vein that I absolutely love. Um, I think it's because it's been one that we've been jamming for a wee while, and we've been able to see its progression from kind of inception to being on the record. Um, so just having that out there and, and, you know, and just the feel and the message and the, uh, the grit of it, there's something that, that I find really exciting about that. Cool. And so have you had the chance to gig at all fairly recently? Yeah, well, Hopefully, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been very lucky this time going into lockdown because the album, the EP was out, all the advertising had been done, you know, everything else that was getting done was getting done, um, by by various other teams behind the scenes but we kind of done our big gig for, for uh, that part of the year that we were all like so stoked that well, everyone who played it was stoked to win ahead um and yeah we don't have anything till later on in the year which was completely different to last time yeah that worked <laughs> out very nicely for you guys then that's awesome yes. and yeah and uh, uh, and i uh, sadly it hasn't happened happen that way for everyone and mm. we're just very fortunate yeah for sure what's the the music scene like in nz at the moment is it like kind of still doing its thing besides this mini yeah. lockdown? <laughs> yeah yeah totally outside of the mini lockdown i think again we've been very fortunate that we've been able to go out and, and had a really active um, participatory music scene basically since the first lockdown last year. So um, we're very lucky in that case. And I think uh, a lot of musicians came out of that, you know, just rearing to go. Um, and there's so much there. I, I think there's more, um, more bookings for venues, more releases, uh, more applications for funding, all of this stuff. There's more in New Zealand right now than there has been in the history of music in this country at the moment from what i've heard um so it's just really it's really popping um which is exciting to be a part of that it's really cool to think that you're contributing in some way to some kind of cultural landscape you know yeah um, absolutely mm. so i have a question that i ask everybody on this podcast and it's a story time of a you would love you to tell me a like a really positive happy memory of a gig you've played and also a horror story where everything's gone wrong and shit has hit the fan <laughs> i think we've got plenty of both really um oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so for me it's probably uh we've, we've been doing this gig uh on new year's eve um in christchurch for the last three years which is in hagley park which is you know the massive massive park here um and that's always the most nerve-wracking thing because it's massive it's a massive mm -hmm. gig it's probably by far the biggest gig i've ever played and to be doing it as illustrate and representing your own original music is so cool but so scary but i think every time that we've done that and it, despite having sort of like 22 23,000 people there watching and listening to you intently it's gone really really well so like mm. that is just always such a rush and it's just an ecstatic um memory that i have of that gig um having said that i think i can probably relate the, the most nightmarish gig that we've had um from my perspective we played a show um uh this year actually i think it was um at a local kind of haunt called ducks uh ducks uh, central um we were massive supporters of us over the years which is awesome yeah it was not it was not a funny story at the time um basically we use an apc controller 
which um, controls all of our loops. Uh, we, we run everything with Ableton. We've sort of got a two laptop kind of setup that we use to just control loops as we're playing through. Um, it's essential to the performance. If that doesn't work, we're absolutely screwed. Um, so during the sound check, it, it uh, had a wee knock and basically the power pin was bent. I didn't realize the extent of the damage until we had to change over just before our set, playing the headline set, and it's a really busy club that we're playing in, um, and it's just not powering on at all. Um, and I ended up having to do the entire set while using the, the trackpad on the MacBook and very carefully clicking on each scene. And the buttons, oh, honestly, I can't exaggerate how small these buttons are. They're like maybe that size. Um, it's not going to go very well on audio. I, I just realized saying that size on a podcast. Um, but that was a terrifying, terrifying gig. Totally my own fault, that but is- um, absolute nightmare. Oh, my God. I could not imagine. Mm. I, I don't recommend it. Stress. The stress of it mm. all. Again, entirely my fault, but, um, you know, managed to get through it. (sighs) (sighs) Your story. Yeah, I I, I think it's the thing. It's like, oh, there's so many awesome memories. I think it's like the people that we've supported over the years, like, you know, we've gone on tour with um, Mm -hmm. some of the artists that we've played with that we were before before Dillustrate was around with some special memories. But, yeah, there's been some... I wouldn't say horrific story. Like there has been some horror stories, but like they've usually turned into something like quite funny. Um, like I, I watched a dude in a venue in Auckland do a running leap and clear the mosh barrier and land on the stage. I was like, like Olympic level leap. I was at question for at question everything for me physics. Um, yeah, um, he cleared like. Every promoter would have seen that and gone, maybe we shouldn't use these barriers anymore because they don't stop like human missiles. Um, which I think that yeah, was, like a like yeah. a penguin slide. Like anyone who was trying to drag him off, that was a horror story. But for us, that was that was that was like a scene from a stunt movie. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean that that situation in particular was amazing because um basically what had transpired was this guy wanted to fight the guitarist for some reason. Anyway, that's another point. Right. Anyway, um but he got on stage and um you know like someone to fight this guy and I had I was sitting up on the same side as this guitarist and we switched switched over and I said to him like man you handled that really well. And he was just like yeah you know how you had that first thought about what is happening and what you think is happening. Yeah. And there's a disconnect there. And his first thought was like, oh, man, this roadie is real keen, eh? <laughs> like <laughs> running from the back of the venue and doing a penguin slide across. Oh, sh- I've got to change his change patchly. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. That's yeah, so yeah. good. Oh, yeah, I, I can still I can actually remember what he was wearing. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> if I had to call that on video, my streams would have gone. Don't worry, TikTok, it would have been annihilated. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, illustrate like captures human missile. That's prime. I love that. That's a great story. Both positive and also a bit of a horror story as well. Love it. If you look at some of the stories that you know when you think about it, like you know, when they're like, have you had a horror story? They're usually not really horror stories, they're more like Man, that was the most stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, you know, yeah. when someone, when one of our friends tried to uh, attach like um, a few tons worth of equipment to a van that didn't have a, um, it had 
well with the Cobalt too, and it turned his van into like like a speedboat because it was like the front axle was off the ground. Like that is that's oh that is just legend status, you know. Like who? Where did physics? Like none of that happened. He was just like, yeah, this did not work out. But we still left and we still kept it like that, which is another story of its own. Yeah, I do remember that we had to run the heater on full just to stop the engine from overheating that whole trip in the middle of summer. Oh my god! Wow, so so much. A lot of it is so hard. It's so I I always ask this question and then I just don't even know how to comprehend most of it. I'm just like, wow. Okay, whoa, (laughs) that's that that happened. Oh man, yeah. I mean, when, when you put it like that, it is pretty bizarre. It's funny, yeah. But it's good stories, good funny yeah. stories. Not maybe not funny at the time, but oh, funny now. Um, so <laughs> I love. I've I've begun, began, whatever the word is, to um end our episodes with a quick fire sort of quick fire situation, quick fire questions. So you just have to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. How how are we going to do this? Uh, do you want to go first, H, and then I'll go after you? Sure. Beauty. Okay, the emoji that would best describe narrative is what? The poo emoji. <laughs> Aubergine. <laughs> the, your biggest fear is? <laughs> Shark. Oh, aliens. Oh, aliens. Okay. Definitely. If you weren't called Dillistrate, you would be called? Justin Bieber. <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> the first album you listened to is? Oh, that's real bad. No, go on. I've got a bad one. Now? Like the first one? <laughs> Try um, Aqua's Aquarium. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh. And if you could have a superpower, it would be what? Be Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> uh, teleportation, just to save all the faff of having to travel around. Yeah. That was that was a very good quick fire. That was prime. Brilliant answers. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh. Well, cheers, guys. Let's do a cheers. 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 I'll cheers you with my Heineken Zero. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) me. Thank you.